back uh, yesterday from the Dominican Republic from their mission trip down there, serving in partnership together with Calvary Chapel of York, a group uh, from their church went down as well and uniquely got to serve in the community where we actually, as a church here, uh, sponsor on a monthly basis a uh, missions uh, organization and ministry that operates down there at Calvary Care, and they got to actually go down and see that firsthand, kind of serve in connection with them and have a firsthand experience really in connection to where we send finances every month as well. Uh, with the trip. So in light of that, will be a little bit more of an informal evening. That's why we have the uh, kids in here with us tonight. So in case you're wondering in regard to that, if that should be bothersome to you, we got pictures and videos. And so just more of a light and informal night and want the kids to be able to see and share in regards to that as well. And just kind of having a family night together as we kind of celebrate what the Lord did and allow them to share a little bit. Before I have the team come up, if you could just turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 14. Let me just share as sort of a basis for just a few moments before I have the team come up. Uh, Acts chapter 14, and if you would draw your attention towards the end of the chapter in Acts chapter 14, we see that uh, in the early church, it was their practice uh, as a group of believers and as the church was first being established and operating in the book of Acts, it was their practice, we see biblically, to give testimony and report after a time of missionary activity after a time of ministry. Uh, Acts chapter 14 gives to us really the end of Paul the Apostle's first missionary journey as he went out and did missions work. Acts chapter 13 is where we told uh, in the Bible that the Spirit of God spoke and said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas to the work to which I've called them. And it says the church uh, laid hands on them and prayed over them. And it says they were sent out by the Holy Spirit and they went out to do missionary work, uh, even as we were able to kind of do uh, two Sundays ago with our team to lay hands on them and to pray for them uh, and to see God send them out and asking that his spirit would be with them and work through their lives and as well just even to partner with them uh, financially as a church. And for those of you who might have contributed personally to that as well, what a wonderful thing to know that the Bible tells us that both those who go to the battle and those who stay back with the supplies share equally in the reward. So uh, that's a wonderful thing to be able to recognize. But if you notice in Acts chapter 14 with me down in verse uh, 14, it tells us this. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, they then went down to Italia. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, and remember, that was where they left from, from the church at Antioch. They sailed back to Antioch, so they're arriving home now, even as our team arrived back uh, yesterday uh, from their week-long trip, where they had been, noticed commended by the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now, when they had come, they gathered the church together and they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So again, we see this pattern where as they come back from the trip, they arrive back at the home church from which they were sent out with the grace of God and the spirit of God upon their lives to go out uh, for notice it says there the work which they had completed, even as our team went out and completed a week's long worth of ministry and verse 27 tells us that, notice, they gathered the church together, even as we're doing here this evening, in accordance with what the scriptures show us as God's pattern for such, and they reported 
all that God had done with them. And so that's what we're about to be able to experience tonight. We're about to get a report from them, the five of them, just sharing with us what God had done with them. And there's no perfect rhyme or reason to doing that. Uh, and for those of you who are going to come up and share, uh, just share as the Lord leads and as the Spirit of God directs just what God did through you, what God did in you. And we just want to be able to enjoy to hear the report and testimony uh, of what God has done with you as you went out to serve. Turn with me over to Acts 21. One other passage, we see the same thing, giving to us again just more of a biblical reference for what we're doing in our time together. Acts 21, if you look down in verse 17 of Acts 21, and here we basically have Paul coming back again from another one of his missionary journeys as he was out doing missions work. And again, we see the same pattern unfolding in the word of God. It says, and when they had come to Jerusalem this time, the brethren received us gladly. And hopefully that's what we all did when we saw our team coming back, just celebrating. They're back safe. God took care of them. It's great to see them back and have them with us. And on the following day, Paul went in with us to James and the elders were present. Verse 19, it says, and when they had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. We're going to hear in detail what God did uh, among the Dominicans as they went down and served there, what God did through their ministry, what God had done. And when they heard it, that is you and I, the hearers on the other end, uh, it says when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And that's really what we want to do tonight, to be able to just hear what God did through the five from our fellowship and partnership with uh, the half a dozen or so, five or six, I believe it was, that went down with them from Calvary Chapel of York in such a way where we can just, as God's family, just be able to walk away from this place glorifying the Lord. How when we make ourselves available to serve the Lord, he works through our lives uh, and, and that he accomplishes things, seeds are sown, the gospel is shared, seeds are watered, people come to Christ People are ministered to, those who are there ministering in the Dominican Republic year-round, no doubt they're encouraged, they're refreshed as they see a group of Americans come down and spend a week there uh, dedicating their time and even their resources again, uh, rather than taking a week of vacation. They weren't doing that. They weren't just laying on the beach, right, Kaylee? I didn't think so, right. So they were down there to serve, uh, and that's an encouraging thing. And I, having been there before myself, I know that's one of the benefits that happen is they get very blessed as folks come down and just serve the Lord and breathe some fresh wind into their sails and hold up their arms as they're ministering all year long in the community. And it's just a great opportunity to be able to glorify and to rejoice in what the Lord did. So uh, as I get ready to have the team come up in a moment, for those of you who are going to come up on the share up here front here, the, the five of you, got two mics here, one there, and I'll put one over here. You can just kind of pass them back and forth uh, as far as how you share. Uh, there is a clock, since you're going to be from the front looking back like I always do now. You don't have the podium with another clock in front of you. Tommy's going to keep his hand pointing towards that. Uh, you got about an hour-ish to share a whole week. Real easy, right? <laughs> Uh, so you got about an hour between the five of you, kind of getting, being respectful to those who are present here. Uh, if you want to keep going all night, you can. People just may start leaving at a certain point in time. But just to try and share what you want to share, I know you got some pictures and some videos. So we'll just trust the Lord to lead that time. For those of you, the three of you who sit over here, this is a Montemuro makeshift stage. So don't hop up fast. 
I promise it's not going to crash. I already tested it today when I build it. So I, I think it's safe. I just wanted to have you up a little bit higher for the three of you who sit over here. And when you use these mics, you do got to hold them a little closer to your mouth. Uh, so, again, as far as for those of you who got a little quieter voice, if you hold it down here, it's not going to pick you up as much. All right? So let me pray, and we'll have the five of you come up and start to share with us. Father, we thank you for our team. We just pray that by your spirit, Lord, you would direct their words, allow them to share the things that come to their hearts and minds, Lord, that which they prepared and maybe even that which, Lord, you have prepared that you want them to share with us, to report and give testimony of what you did with them, in them, and through them. And we thank you for the work that was accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, why don't we have the team of five come up and pick a spot, and somebody grab a mic and go for it. I'm trusting this really was built well because I'm not the smallest guy. Good evening, or as we've been saying all week, buenas noches. <laughs> and for somebody who doesn't speak a lot of Spanish, that's pretty much my extent. <laughs> um, thank you uh, for your prayers. Thank you for the, the prayers. Uh, going down there, there was, there was some struggles. Um, before we started. And even down there, there was a lot of questions. Um, I'll get into it. I, I'm not too good without notes, so um, well, I'll just shut up and I'll read my notes because that's where I'm better at. <laughs> so as Tony mentioned, we went down with the, uh, our team of five and then a team of six from uh, Calvary Chapel, York, where Pastor Tony is from. It was Pastor Harry Novak who led our group. It was a man named Jesus, which I thought was appropriate to have Jesus with us. It was uh, a gentleman, uh, Landon, Leland, and Lydia. It took me until about day five to get their names correct. But, uh, Tony, if you want to, uh, yeah, Tony, Tommy, if you want to put the first picture up. Noah! <laughs> I forgot Noah. <laughs> that is not Noah. No, that, that is not. So there's a local pastor in Bajarona. His name is Vicente. That is Vicente and his youngest son, Logan, a very Dominican name. Uh, he has a wife, Angie. They have four children, three girls and one boy. Uh, Tommy, there's about four more pictures if you want to just go through them. The little girls. Eh, questionable on that one. That one. One more. And that one. You can keep it on that one. That one, from the minute we walked in, immediately stole my heart. It started off as a simple game of hide-and-seek and gradually graduated to them tackling me and then pointing at me and picking up at a manicano, which is what they called me, off of their concrete floor, which when you get tackled on a concrete floor, it, it kind of hurts. They are the happiest, sweetest kids, yet they live in a cinder block house with only a few rooms and no air conditioning, limited access to water or even fuel for cooking. The girls own very few possessions. One of their favorites is a little rubber football with which we played catch hundreds of times. Another favorite was a plastic toothbrush. I never did figure this one out. My best guess, they would dip it in a cup of ice water and almost use it as an ice pop because it was the closest thing they had. The girls were so happy when we were there and even happier when Los Americanos, 
or I have to play with them at the end of the day. If given the opportunity, I would have brought them home. I wasn't sure how I would have classified that to customs, but <laughs> regardless. But being with them, I wondered how their lives would change being in America. I wondered, do we really have it better here? Is ignorance really bliss? In America, we truly are spoiled. The property we stayed at, which they referred to as the project, sits on an uneven dirt road littered with massive rocks, barely wide enough for our van to pass by. There are random trenches that would destroy any vehicle or moped that accidentally found it. And there are five times as many mopeds in Bajarona and the Dominican as there are cars. And their driving is insane. It's, it's crazy. They have no traffic signs. They have no traffic lights. They don't have traffic rules. You just pray that you don't die. Uh, I think there's one more picture. Yes, so that's kind of how most of my days ended. But we'll get there in a minute. So if you want to go to the next one. So as a church, as Tony mentioned, we support Calvary Care. It is a block, rectangular, warehouse-looking building. Three windows on each side, two garage doors on the front, and a back door, which I do not recommend walking out because there's about a five-foot drop that will literally tumble you down the side of the mountain. Yes, that one. And when they tell you, hey, go open the back door, be very careful. The property provides daily clean water to many in the village. Families come with their five-gallon buckets or anything, really, to fill, and then they carry them back to the mountains, typically on their heads, but less frequently on the back of their mopeds. This is a community that truly lives day by day. There are about 50 families that we encountered who would come once a month to receive the only ration of food that they may have. Each family once a month receives a 25 pound bag of rice, eight pounds of beans, eight pounds of sugar, a small container of cooking oil, container of wafers, and the occasional small bag of chocolate. For the average size family, so say about five people, with rationing, that will just last them one month. For families to qualify for Calvary Care, their, church, uh, their children are required to attend their children's church, taught by Jose. You can go through another couple pictures. Oh, that's, that's Noah, the guy with the white hat. Um, well, you can keep going. That's the church. You can keep going. I, I might have you go back until you see a blue building. Keep going. Keep going. I guess I didn't organize these as well as I thought. One more. Oh, it's Harry. <laughs> One more. There you go. So I said, for families to qualify for Calvary Care, their children are required to attend a children's church taught by Jose. Jose lives about a two-minute walk down the mountain uh, from the Calvary Care. He grew up there. There's no one he doesn't know, much like Carlos, our other guide. We'll get to him in a few minutes. Carlos was my guide the entire time we were here. He is, and as Jason will tell you, um, he came up with a nickname for him, uh, which was Homie which may have been the funniest American word I think I heard him say, especially as they're yelling it from across the street. <laughs> Carlos and Jose are both full-time with Calvary Care. I got to help out and experience two of their children's services with Martin. Jose has such a way with these children. They all come in, find a seat. As in most Sunday school teachers, he moves the rowdy ones away, moves them away from their friends. 
He begins reciting a prayer. Thursday's lesson was Joshua and Caleb. Shamingly, my Spanish isn't very good, so I had a hard time following. But classes are typically an hour long, usually from 8.30 to 9.30, and then 10 to 11. There's also a corresponding uh, class taught by Vicente in the outdoor uh, church, which is an open-air building uh, next to where we stayed. I didn't get to be a part of that one, but Kaylee got to share her testimony with that group uh, during that time. So, what did we do for seven days? We sweat <laughs> a lot. We walked even more. We drank, I figured out, about 55 gallons of water. Yeah, I did the math. That's about five gallons a person. That, that's a lot. We ate very delicious food. Kaylee will attest to the plantains. And we did our best to avoid strangers with machetes, although I don't think we did a well enough job. At least I didn't. <laughs> for the past month, our team has been meeting via Zoom to pray for the people that we would encounter. We prayed for divine appointments that we would encounter the people that he wanted us to talk to. After a team devotion every morning, we broke into our teams and began our dusty walk up the mountains to find people we could talk to. Tommy, if you want to hit the next photo. Okay, that's the other side of Calvary Care. That's just the inside. That's one of their classes. Yeah, so. Go through the next uh, two more. So these are the typical properties in Barona. Um, it's, it's very poor, very, it is third world. Um, if you have a cinder block house, you're considered lucky. Most of it is just sheet metal. But as we continued our walks, we prayed that the Lord would guide us to the people that he wanted us to speak to, whether it was an elderly couple, a single, single person, groups of people. Uh, Harry and I <laughs> encountered a group of construction workers at, who would, when we stopped to talk to them, every one of them left the job. <laughs> Very glad the boss wasn't there. Uh, we had about maybe eight, eight guys just to come, just wanted to hear what we had to say. And it was just... It truly was beautiful. Um, or whether he led us to a single guy sitting in a chair under a tree with a machete in one hand and sugar cane in the other. In the States, that's not a wise decision to go hang out with him. But I felt a strong pull to go say hello. Like many Dominicans we spoke to, almost every one of them knew of God and Jesus, which was encouraging at first. Sadly, many, many Dominicans have just enough knowledge of Jesus that they are convinced they don't need a personal relationship with him. After my first day or so, so about seven hours of walking the mountain after being with maybe seven groups, so maybe about 20 or so people, nobody had accepted Christ as their savior from our group. It's discouraging. We shared our testimonies, share how he changed our lives, told them how much God loves them, made the gospel as clear as we could, and yet they still said, Maybe later. Not yet. Or, uh, I, I can't. I don't have the right clothes. I'm, you know, I need to change first. And no matter what we did for those people, we, we just had to leave. We, we had to pray for them and just continue. It's, it's discouraging. Um, so the first two days were a real spiritual challenge. After one particularly challenging conversation, we were sure the person would get saved, yet they said no. So we prayed for them and went our way. 
Seeing the discouragement, I was with Pastor Harry, began to tell us how Jesus would be so proud of the effort that we made. It's not our job to save people, he told me, but it is our job to present the gospel and, and the love of God in a clear way. I don't want anyone to be saved because of something I said or the way I said something. We came to present the gospel, and we did just that. Near the end of the second day, we met a lone woman who had just finished hanging her laundry. Her name was Solimigro, I think. She was the first person to accept Christ, and it was a beautiful reminder that our efforts are never in vain. It's especially challenging when we don't speak the language, but to be able to see a physical change in her face and in her eyes, there was life, and it was amazing, and the encouragement we all needed to carry on. Through the next couple of days, yes, there were disappointing endings, but more and more people accepted Christ as their savior. One of our last days, we left the mountain did ministry on the boardwalk, and their boardwalk is a concrete sidewalk along the water. In all three of our groups, I'd say about 75% of the people that we encountered accepted Christ. It was an absolutely incredible time. But before we left the house every day, we prayed specifically that he would lead us to only the people that he wanted us to talk to. And he did. Tommy, can you hit the next photo? (laughs) While every conversation was my favorite, One of the most beautiful that stuck out to me was a grandfather and granddaughter who were sitting on a bench near the boardwalk next to a massive tree. Tommy, can you go to the next picture? For those whose Spanish is less rusty than, or more rusty than mine, that is a um, sign nailed to the tree that says tree of death. After our conversation with this grandfather and granddaughter, they both accepted Christ, which I thought was amazing, sitting under that tree. It was enough to bring a tear to your eye, knowing that life was reborn in the midst of death. That is a memory that will stick with me forever. So, on a less teary note, (laughs) on our daily travels, it was our responsibility to bring enough food and snacks to share our lunch with our guide. Most people had dried fruit, nuts, granola bars, etc. And Carlos, my guide, more than happy to eat. My contribution for the first few days was peanut butter and jelly on a rice cake, which he loved. The third day is when things started to take a turn south. When my, con- <laughs> when my contribution became a lukewarm, hickory-smoked spam on a gluten-free pita. It was not received as well as I anticipated. <laughs> Carlos sniffed it, and his face contorted in such a way I, I hadn't seen before. I've never seen such a physical display of disgust for anything. <laughs> he tasted it and told me if he was dying and spam, oh, it gets better. If he was dying and spam was the only thing he could eat that would sustain his life long enough to be saved, then he would die happy. <laughs> I told him it was an American delicacy. <laughs> I may have lied. He said, we may be a third world country, but we're not even desperate enough to eat that. (laughs) So, Tommy, if you would the, oh, yes, that is Jose. Oh, go back one. That is Jose, um, the man who will eat anything. And (laughs) we may have told him it was delicious. His face may prove otherwise. And then if you go to the next phrase, the following morning, the spam was on (laughs) the shelf of a chalkboard with some Spanish phrases. 
Muy malo, very bad. El peor, the worst. The last one I think you can figure out. It says the, the unpardonable sin. I found out later, I thought it was written by Carlos, which I thought was hysterical. Turns out it was written by Kaylee. <laughs> but Jose seemed to somewhat not hate it as much as Carlos, so I left him my final two cans of bacon and corned beef flavored Spam. He may not talk to me again. <laughs> well, I won't miss the constantly blowing dust, the stray dogs. There were those three little girls who managed to steal my heart. Well, really only two. The oldest would stare. Would s <laughs> the oldest would just stare at me, wag her finger, and go, no, no, no. <laughs> Vicente's kids' names from the oldest to youngest are Adida, Adaya, Adalia, and the most Dominican, Logan. <laughs> before, we <laughs> before we said our final goodbyes, I told Vicente I wanted to get his girl something special because they had become so special to me. On a trip to the store, he found me and gives me a box of raisins and chocolate crackers. I was thinking of a bracelet, a necklace, some toy. I have five nieces and nephews. I would never think in a million years to give them a box of raisins. If I did, they'd hate me. <laughs> but these girls grew up in poverty. Well, they love their football and adore their little rubber duckies. I have never seen such a huge smile on a child's face than when I gave Adaya her box of raisins and the other two their cookies. As Vicente was leaving us at the airport, we got ready to go through security. He grabbed me and gave me a hug. He told me how much it meant to him that we would show such love to him and his family, especially his girls. And for, <laughs> for walking through the Dominican heat with all the dust and the dirt in the hottest part of the day, Many times we were walking back to the house through the metal bars. We were greeted by those little smiles. Tommy, I think there's another picture. Greeted by those little smiles and their arms pointing up, asking to be picked up. After a long and weary day, and even a long and weary life, I imagine God holding out his arms, waiting to pick us up as I got to pick up those little girls. And to add insult to injury, Vicente uh, texted me earlier saying the girls woke up and asked where El, uh, El Americano was. <laughs> and on the very last day, I've been saying, me llamo Chris, me llamo Chris, and they would say, El Americano. <laughs> <laughs> but on the, on the very last day, they looked at me and they said, hola, Chris. Can you guys hear me? I just wanted to share a couple things um, that I thought were special, some special moments that I had. Um, the first one, I can't not talk about it just because um, when Tony first, sorry, <laughs> when Tony first announced the trip, I really had not planned to go just because I felt like it wasn't a wise decision with where I was in college and 
I was paying for tuition, and it just felt like too big of a stretch. And the Lord just proved me very, very wrong. And the ways that he provided were just so overwhelming. And he really just proved all of my fears to be of no consequence to him. Um, and it was really a, a real blessing to see. And it was a real blessing because we were able to bring the excess down and bring it to the church in Badajona and um, give it to the ministry there and to help with um, the kids' care, with the church, further his ministry. So I thought that was really cool. Um, one of my biggest things that um, were really special to me was the whole thing of language. If you guys know me, you know that I really like Spanish. I have a passion for it. I really have been trying to learn for a long time now, and I'm still not that great, but it's something that I've been, that, that is my passion, and that was my biggest um, desire, was to be able to share the gospel in Spanish and to be able to encourage people in their own language. Um, just because there's something very intimate about that. There's something very powerful of walking up to a Dominican house and you're just this 18-year-old white girl and you just start talking to them in Spanish about where they are with Jesus. And just their faces were really funny because no one, they were very surprised. <laughs> but I honestly think that the Lord gave me the words to speak in so many, so many moments that I felt like he just put them into my mouth and it was nothing that I knew or that I had figured out on my own, but it was just him just pouring right through me. It was that, and I also felt like in conversations, he just gave me an incredible understanding. Not just understanding like empathy-wise, but understanding like I could follow the conversation and more than I would have been able to, I feel like, back at home. I really think that was of the Lord. Um, and just, I, I really just think he just opened my mind a little bit and allowed his power to pour through me that, I would just be able to follow what they were sharing to me and be able to speak back what they were, what the Lord wanted them me them to hear. Um, I shared my testimony in Spanish. I had no idea I could do that in Spanish. Had not prepared that at all. Did not know any of the words that go along with that. But the Lord just spoke. I really, I really feel like all of the things that I was like wow about, they weren't me. It was all him. Um, so that was really special. Another thing was worship. You guys know that is also my thing. Um, so I did worship with Lydia and Leland, who are two people from the, from the York team. We have never met before in our entire lives. We've met on Zoom. Um, yes, that is Lydia, and that is Leland, and that is Pastor Vicente in the middle. That is Sunday morning church. Um, but we had never met before that, um, and we had never let alone played together, so it definitely was interesting, because when you've played next to your dad your entire life, you get kind of comfortable with, you know, the way he does things, so it was, it was interesting for sure, but the Lord just, he did a powerful ministry through that, we had like, kind of like a little Bible time, like a, like a morning service every morning before we, um, went out, and those times were just so special, even if we just did a couple songs, I just truly felt like the Lord was just ministering to all of us in a very gentle way, it was, it was just beautiful to see 
We did end up learning some Spanish songs, which was very interesting. We prepared as best we could, but it's hard to sing in Spanish. It's very hard. Um, and one of my favorite moments was we had done it a couple of times during our morning service, like sang them on our own to like kind of like practice, you know, for Sunday morning so we could wow the natives or whatever. <laughs> um, but that Sunday, there were two things that I found really po powerful. The first one was when we were um, singing English songs, um, you could hear, even up at the front, you could hear um, people singing the same songs in Spanish, like right alongside, completely clashing, and it just sounded so beautiful to me because it just made me think like it isn't about the creation of a beautiful sound. It's every person's individual worship with their creator and the fact that we were doing it side by side in different languages, it was really cool. It was really cool. It was hard to stay focused on what I was playing. Um, and the second thing I found most powerful was our last song that we did. We did the song Mighty to Save in Spanish and I truly just felt like I was in a concert stadium. Just the absolute volume of those people singing it out for the Lord even if our pronunciation was way off, it was all of us just united praising him. I think I have a video of it. It probably is not going to sound as cool. cool. Um, I only have a couple more little things, and it just was little moments that I just found beautiful. I love doing our morning Bible studies. I felt like we talked a lot about unity in the spirit, and I really felt like time and time it was just proved again that he was just realigning us all, and we were all of one accord. It seemed like we were all on the same page that whole trip. Um, just the way people, like, we had conversations about, like, all of us ending up studying the same passage, or different things like that. It just really felt like the Lord was like evidently working in each one of us for his specific purpose. And those Bible studies were really special times. Um, also, it just, I feel like there were just a lot of holy moments. There was a lot of moments where this was my first time ever sharing the gospel, let alone my first time ever leading someone to the Lord. And I just kept being wowed by, even if it wasn't me that was sharing, if it was someone else, I just kept being wowed by, the Lord just did that. Like, he just changed the whole trajectory of their lives. And we got to be a part of that. Like, it just was, it just felt like so many holy moments. My last thing is, I didn't tell Jason I was going to talk about this, so I'm sorry in advance, Jason. But <laughs> on our first day, um, well, it was our first full day. Me and Jason were in the same group, and we were walking, and I was like, Jason, how did you sleep? Because it was really hot and sweaty, and I wanted to think about anything else. And he was like, okay, I got up really early, though. And I was like, oh, why? And he was like, well, I woke up at 
and the room was completely empty. He was in a room with like six other guys. So breakfast wasn't till like 8.15 that morning. So I was like, why did seven guys get up an hour and 15 minutes before breakfast? All you have to do is get up and walk downstairs. Like you don't have to be that ready for breakfast. We were all like sleepy eyed and stuff. He's like, yeah, they were all like doing their devotionals, like having their quiet time all at like so early. And I'm sorry for throwing you under the bus, but I just thought that was really cool because I haven't had a lot of experiences with Christians that are that genuine that they would wake up an hour ahead of where they needed to be so they could have their quiet time with the Lord. That is not something that I've experienced, probably just because I'm young. But um, that was really powerful to see at the start of our trip, and I think it motivated a lot of us to be like, man, all right, I got to step up my game because I'm with people that are genuinely for the Lord and I think that really encouraged us and that started us out on the right path because I don't think that we would have had as much of a powerful time if we hadn't been all so locked in for the Lord I really feel like that's what this trip was we were all pretty unified in Jesus which was awesome so yeah So I didn't exactly prepare as much as they did, just kind of winging it. But um, going off with, with what Kaylee was talking about, my um, one of my biggest things was unity, and I actually got to experience what it was really like. Um, just the big thing is um, when we, we were talking one study, it was, he said, um, when we trust and obey what God has to say he will direct us in what we need to do and it it, it showed and um just the way we would when we were sharing and how we were able to pick each other up and then and like there weren't really breaks um so that was so cool to me and another thing was the children and how amazing it was to be that uh, with them. And um, for me, it's not necessarily you have to preach to them because they don't always understand, but you just have to be there with them, spend time with them, love on them, and let the light of Jesus shine through you. And when it was, I think, in our first group, the last day, I think, um, we were we got a break because um, we were just all tired, and just a bunch of kids came and swarmed me and Lydia, <laughs> um, one of the other girls, and they taught me their version of rock paper scissors and tried to trick me one time, didn't work, um, <laughs> but. Um, and another interesting experience was with some boys who were like eight, said they wanted to marry me. That was an interesting one. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it was just amazing to like see them. And on Sunday, I helped with the kids, and three of them gave me the pictures they um, colored in. And like, just to like be able to reach out was such an amazing experience. 
And then um, another thing that I personally learned was to never take things for granted. Kind of what Chris was saying is that these people, their homes aren't exactly the most stable and they have to um, um, go to the project, thank you, to get food. And I'm just like, I can go home in a nice stable house, in a nice comfortable bed with easy running water because the water was just one little thing. And yeah, <laughs> but um, just, and even with um, taking Christ for granted, because I know he's like always there. And sometimes like I forget like, yeah, I can read my Bible later or, but as we were talking to people, um, like Chris said, <laughs> um, they just know enough to be dangerous. And um, there was um, people that like you thought would like accept and then they didn't. But the amazing part is people you didn't expect would also accept. Like that they look like they weren't paying attention, look like they're about ready to fall asleep and then they accepted and it was just amazing. And um, the Saturday, the day of the boardwalk, in our group alone, nine people accepted Christ. And that was such an, like, encouraging because at first I was in Chris's group and, like, the first two times, only two people accepted. And with the construction workers, like, they kept walking away. And just to see people, like, we, sh like, explain to them this is what's going to happen. Um, you'll live forever without Christ if you don't accept. You might not have another chance, but yet they still um, decline. And I'm like flipping back and forth here, but I was um, reading, I think it was Wednesday, and the story of Saul came up. And it was like perfect timing. Like God led me to read that right then and there because later in the day we encountered a guy. Um, he was an older gentleman. Um, and he's like, I, I think it was I own a bar and like God would never want me. I have to change first. And I just, I like told him what I read because I was like, Saul was a murderer, like there's no sin that God can't forgive, and it was just, um, and the kids that, the, the, that we stayed with, kind of, they were amazing too, um, the one that Chris gave, that gave Chris looks loved me, of course, but, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, and then, like, just to, like, be able, like, he said, like, come home after a long, hot day, but still be able to, like, see them, and then, like, throwing them up in the air got really tiring, but it was, it was all worth it, and this trip was all worth it through everything, so. So, um, <coughs> going into this trip, um, I was uh, really nervous, 
not one because never flown before, never left the country before. Um, so I was really nervous going into this trip, not really knowing what to expect. Um, before this trip, um, really never prayed about it. I was just kind of putting my head down and be like, all right, whatever. I'm, go I'm going to a third world country, going to go preach. Not really, not really thinking about it. But um, first day we got there, actually, no, we were at the airport when we met up with the team from York. Um, as soon as we met them, I knew this was going to be a Christ-filled, just a great trip in general because the whole team was just an absolute amazing time to be with. And for those that don't know, I'm a really big people's person. I love people, love making them smile, laugh, just anything in general. So on our way there, um, we, we get off the flight, four-hour flight. Now we're driving. We get picked up from the airport, four-hour bus ride to our place. And in a 12-passenger van with 12 people in it. And it was really crammed. But... In that time from the airport to stopping for lunch and to uh, resuming our trip back to the house, I really connected with this group. I was talking to them like I've known them for years. It was just an amazing, just a, the bus ride there. And um, first day, like Kaylee said, woke up, no one was in the room. I was wondering what happened to them all. It's like, it's early, no one's in the room. So when um, I woke up and I saw everybody reading their Bible, I'm like, wow, all right. <laughs> I was not expecting to wake up at 6.58 to this. So um, I woke up, was going about my day, getting ready, and then that was our first day, like going out for a while. So... Pastor Harry, he uh, sent us out in groups, and I've only met these people yesterday, and the only person I knew in my group was Kaylee, and just going on that trip, I was really nervous because I'm in a place I have no idea where I'm at. I have some people that speak Spanish, and like, I don't know, just the environment that I'm in. I don't know if they're going to be hostile or anything. Thank God they weren't. They were probably some of the nicest people I've ever met down there. Always welcomed you in. They always had to hear you out what you had to say, even if they did not receive the Lord. But first day we were there, um, I personally never got to share the gospel with anyone. It was either Kaylee or Landon that was there or like anybody else. So I really didn't think too much of it. I was like, all right. I'm really nervous. I was kind of hoping to speak that day, but it's kind of whatever. So, <laughs> so um, day two comes along, and then, you know, it's back to Landon, Kaylee speaking. At this point, I'm like, all right, I really want to share. Like, I'm thinking about it. And I was like, I never said to Jose, who was our translator, that I wanted to speak because, like, I don't want to, like, ruin the opportunity for anybody else that they felt led by the Lord to go teach. So I only uh, got to speak once to a dad and his little kids there, and they um, they rejected the offer for um, to receive the Lord, which was kind of uh, heart-wrenching for me because I'm like, I'm really trying here. 
I really want to just see the best for these people. And that's what kind of happened throughout the whole week is because, like, day three, we'd go out again for hours. And then every time I get up, I would always get rejected as either either later or just, like, no. So that always just took, like, a toll on me. It was just, that was just day after day. And then um, Saturday comes along when we went to the boardwalk. When, um, when Chris was said about the uh, grandpa and her um, – her uh his um grand granddaughter <laughs> when they were sitting there um ho- uh by the time I had Carlos as my translator because we switched up the teams a little bit and Carlos looks at me he's like you want to share so at that point I'm like all right I guess I will I already know the answer to this so I go into speaking I'm just letting the Holy Spirit just say what he wants through me and um when I was talking, they um they received the Lord like Chris said, and that meant a lot to me. It made me. It just brought an absolute smile to my face, because at first the grandfather he did not want to receive it, but the granddaughter did. So I asked the grandpa, I was like, "Why do you not want to?" And then he thought about it for a little bit, and then he told Carlos that he wants to. So led them to the Lord, let the Lord speak through me. And when they were walking off, they were um, holding hands, and I just knew that they just looked so much happier than they were before. Because when we were walking up to them, they seemed like they were arguing a little bit about something, no idea what it was. But um, I know that they were just really happy about that. And then, what was it, Sunday, we had church, and then we'd go out for two and a half hours maybe to go teach again. So um, at this point, I'm with Chris in my group that I know. And then first house we go to, it was people that Carlos knew. And um, Landon was sharing the um, dad or grandpa or whoever he was in the role of the family. He rejected Christ. The wife was already a believer, and the son came to, the, came to um, know the Lord too. So... Every time somebody just came to the Lord, it just brought an absolute smile to my face because, like, when we were walking around, there really wasn't that much of a breeze. We are just kind of – it was really hot, <laughs> really hot. I got burnt pretty bad. I normally don't burn. But um, just, like, but whenever we stopped and shared the gospel with people, they're just the biggest gust of wind came through, and it just felt – felt amazing. And um, so – after we go to that group on the Sunday, um, we leave. We pray for them. We leave. And then we go. We're walking around a little bit. And then another family that Carlos knew, shocker. And then he basically just walks into the house or the property without, he's like, all right, guys, come on in. We're like, all right, I guess we can just do that around here. And then he looks at me. He's like, you want to share with the dad because the dad was not saved but it looked like the rest of his family were. So I got to share with him. And when I was sharing with him, he looked like there was a lot of spiritual warfare going on from just past rejections that he's done and stuff. So after that, I was, after that, um, I shared with him and he res- accepted the Lord. At this point of the time, I'm just, I'm on absolute fire. I just wanted to keep going, keep going up to people because it was just an amazing time for me. 
just to um, see that people are getting saved. So I want to keep going. I don't think anybody else really wanted to at that point because I think I was the only one that had a lot of energy from the week. But um, just a lot was going on that week. The Lord showed me a lot. Patience was the big one after getting rejected the whole week. Just, just to keep going forward, have the Lord guide you, and um, put your head down and just follow him. And I really can't be on the same boat with the girls liking me, Pastor Vicente's girls liking me. Every time I'd look at them, they would give me the nastiest look ever. <laughs> L- little, the baby Logan, who's 10 months old, give me the meanest look <laughs> ever. <laughs> Every time I saw him, it's like, all right. <laughs> but... Other than that, I'm really thankful for our translators we have, the people I got to spend this week with. I grew much closer with those people, and I never thought I would. And um, just an eye-opening week for me in general. That's really all I have to say. All right, just make sure that I'm on this one. I just want to thank everyone for coming alongside of us for helping us get there through your prayers, your support, and your encouragement before we left. This is the first time that my kids, these two, have been on a missions trip. And for God to give them the um, amazing, and I know that seems to be the word this week, the amazing time that they had meant so much. I'm big in pictures and video. I was the videographer and photographer for the week, drove a few people crazy, but they were very grateful at the end. So my job was done. <laughs> um, so I'm going to share a couple of videos with you. Um, the first one is just to show you a piece of what we got to look at um, on our journey. And then I'll just give a little clip on each each one when we're done. So tell me if you would play the first one. best of both worlds. We had the mountains on one side of us and the ocean on the other. There was not much else I could ask for as far as that went. Uh, As my team has shared, Pastor uh, Harry had shared about the unity of Christ, uh, the body, what it looks like, how we come together. We know these things. We're taught these things. We know it in our heads. Um, But when it's applied, when it's when each person in a team in a group obeys it, Um, It is amazing, wonderful, beautiful how it comes together. Uh, There was not, I don't think there's much more we could have hoped for than to how we all worked together this week, how we played together, how we laughed together at the end, and um, no tension. Everybody just seemed to just go. So if you would play video number two.
My, <laughs> my next video is for Chris and for you because I wanted you to see what we got to observe all week. Chris's heart, no doubt, was for these little girls. And from the moment <laughs> it started it till the very end. So just enjoy. Just enjoy what we get. We dubbed him Uncle Chris. My next video, there's five altogether, so my fourth one is about the work that we did. I personally had no idea what we were going down to do. I knew it was Calvary's Care, I knew we would see the people help give out the food, but I had no idea beyond that. Each day, as my team has shared, we were going out throughout the mountain and we were sharing the gospel. Our privilege was to preach the gospel to the people in Baharona. I could not have begun to imagine again what God wants to do when you say, here I am, Lord, send me. Most of you don't really know us here. You see our faces, but you're not sure who we are as a family. We've been traveling through missions for years, off and on. We open our house, we serve missionaries from all over the world. But when you get to go yourself, you've absolutely got nothing to lose. What God wants to do with you if you just say, here I am, Lord, I'll go. I don't think any of us could have imagined what this was going to turn into. None of us can boast about the decision and the sum of what happened while we were there. My next video is going to give you a taste of what it was like for where we were walking. Now, as my team has shared, we were all in individual teams in small cells. So you're going to see pictures of multiple people that are the same, or, or the same people in multiple pictures, because that's my team. I didn't see them, these guys, on the path, uh, the paths after we uh, dispersed throughout the morning. So the next video just gives you a taste.
And my last video is the real beauty of what this week was all about. I enjoyed the landscape. I enjoyed our time of unity, laughter, memories that we got to make. But the most beautiful thing that any of us could behold was, was what is the most beautiful thing to Jesus himself, and that's the people. Come. Tony asked, what did y'all walk away with? He wanted us to share that. And I want to tell you that my biggest thing that I got to experience this week, lots of growth, lots of patience, new challenges and um, truths as a mom. But my biggest thing was each time that I've, been ha I've had the opportunity to travel for missions in the past, I always ask God for one person, just one that'll be deeper, be more to me than doesn't matter how many else I meet. And God not only gave me one this year, he gave me two. My first girl, her name was Juana. She is the last picture that you saw. By then we were exhausted and looking like a hotter mess than, than before we left. But she was very special to me. I got to see her before I left, got to share a Bible with her. She accepted Christ. She was the first one. And it wasn't because she accepted Christ, it just God gives me somebody more. And that's someone that I'm to pray for, that I get to love on a little bit extra. My second one was a gentleman in the park. Uh, there was a picture of, in the video that showed like it was the town square. And when we go, they tend to avoid the men that have been drinking. Rightly so. I trust their judgment, not ours. And we had passed a few, we had talked to a few, and then we came up to one. His name was Hugo. Hugo was sitting there. He had gray hair underneath his baseball cap. He was aged. He was hard. And um, he was no nonsense. And Vicente started to share. And he was like, I don't want to hear it. And he picked up his bottle and he said, this is my friend from six to nine every day. Okay. Some of my team members started to talk to him. Vicente would translate and he said, my brother's a pastor. 
The Pentecostal church is very big down there. Vicente shared with us that it's a Catholic nation as a whole. So we don't know. I have no idea what his brother's preaching or not preaching. Some of my young team members, I'm the old lady in the group. Some of my young team members are speaking truth and he's commending them that they know good things. And I started to pray over his bottle. I just looked at his bottle. I'm like, Lord, next time he goes to take a drink, I ask that you give him a bitter and a nasty taste in his mouth. For those of you, again, don't really know us, I come from a hardened past. I chose the sins of this world as my friend. So to speak out against them is not hard to do. When you do it in a tongue that's not your own, and you do it to an older gentleman who's sitting there telling you, I don't need to know nothing. Okay. And then God gives me the words, and you obey. So I said, Vicente, ask him when he takes his last breath and when he passes from this life, what's he going to do because it's too late? So he asked, and Hugo turned and looked at me, and he said, looked, and he looked back at Vicente, and he said, when am I going to die? So with this, I came in front of him. Now I have eye contact with him. And I'm standing in front of him. I said, I don't know. But the Bible tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Hugo, I don't know. But I know that it will be too late. And you love your sin more than you care about your life. You see that bottle? That does not fill you. It never will. It never can. And he started to really take in. And we spoke we shared about the truth of what our sin does, how it destroys. I said, it doesn't matter if you had a drink. I said, but if you keep drinking, what, what good is it? What have you lost? What have you lost because of it? I'm thinking, who is this girl and what is she asking him? And with this, the tears start to, draw, to, to roll down his face. And I said, you guys, I love you. That's why I am here from another part of this world. We didn't come. We can't convince you. It's not our job. But I will stand against, this, against the gates of hell for your soul. And I want you to know that you are loved beyond measure. doesn't matter what you've done. With this, Hugo looks up at Vicente. And he said, I'm done. He said, I want to pray. And Hugo accepted Christ as his savior. There's nothing that Jennifer, Jason, Myrn, Kaylee, Chris could do. None of you, you know this. You know this in your head. You know this in your hearts. We, we know. Other than say, here, I want you to hold this for mom. I teach my kids this all the time. also take and see me you gave to us the opportunity to go Tony to open up the mic for us to say here we are Lord and for God to say good job let me show you what my life is really about so we are honored to be able to share with you 
There's so much more, I'm sure, we're not saying yet. We're still taking it all in, decompressing. And um, so if we get to talk about it, if you have more questions, you want to see more pictures? <laughs> Ask away, because I'm sure that we'll have plenty to share. So Pastor Tony, thank you. Hey, you guys all did a really great job, not only in what you did serving, but a fantastic job condensing and sharing. I mean, the, the unity of just the flow of what you shared, that was, uh, that was the culmination of what you described there. That was just really uh, beautiful. That was almost better than a well-put-together sermon, just from start to finish. That was fan fantastic. Praise the Lord for that. Hey, why, why don't we all stand together? And... Uh, Again, the, the whole heart, and again, the, the last passage we read in the Word of God, uh, as those things were shared, they, they glorified the Lord. And certainly we should, we should do the same thing. So why don't we close on him? We all know Amazing Grace.